looking just briefly this morning together at Luke chapter 1 verses, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 2 verses 21 through 38. So if you have your Bible and would like to turn to Luke chapter 2 verses 21 through 38, we're just going to spend a few minutes uh, thinking about our Savior and uh, why he came. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, thank you again for this wonderful day. Thank you for each person you've brought here this morning to celebrate the birth of your son. Uh, Help us, Lord, to uh, focus on him, think about him, be thankful for him, be thankful for his willingness to leave the glories of heaven and to come to this earth, to come as a baby, to ultimately grow up and to go to Calvary's cross for us. What a marvelous Savior we have, and we thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, those of you who are longtime Del Rio residents may remember what I'm about to describe. Uh, On Veterans Boulevard, there used to be a building. It's torn down now and replaced by a newer building. But there used to be a building... And on the roof of that building, they had the most amazing, huge, gigantic display. The display confused me, however, because on either end of the roof were these giant angels blowing horns, and you would imagine that they are announcing the coming of Jesus. That's right. But no... In between the angels were two gigantic Santas climbing into a chimney. I said, what's wrong with this picture? Something's wrong here. There's a lot of confusion about Christmas, and I thought, well, what a perfect picture. What a perfect illustration of the confusion that surrounds Christmas in our day. Is it about good feelings of goodwill toward others? Is it about a jolly old man who delivers gifts? Or did something astounding happen in our universe 2,000 plus years ago? As Chris Tomlin sang, God on high stepped down into time. Just imagine that. God on high stepped down into time. So what is the significance of this baby who was born so long ago? What is the significance of this one that we celebrate today? Luke chapter 2 verses 21 through 38 is one of those passages that we don't normally consider or don't don't normally think about when it comes to Christmas, but it's a passage that answers that question through the words of two of my absolute favorite Bible characters. Maybe it's because they're both old. Anna and Simeon. And I love those two characters. I love reading about them. Luke chapter 2 happened about 40 days after the birth of Jesus Christ. And in the words of Simeon and the words of Anna, we will learn who this baby is, why he came as we listen to their encounter with the baby Jesus as told by Luke. 
Verse 21, we begin reading there where it says, On the eighth day, this is Luke chapter 2, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now to understand the background here uh, to what we're, what we're going to hear from uh, Anna and Simeon, uh, first of all, verse 21 is talking about the first thing that would happen after Jesus' birth is that he would be circumcised and he would be named. That would happen on the eighth day. That would happen on his eighth day. No doubt they, Joseph and Mary took care of that in Bethlehem. They probably were still there and they, uh, they had him circumcised and named on the eighth day. But then verses 22 to 24 occurred in Jerusalem at the temple. It was Mary's purification sacrifice and the presentation of Jesus as her firstborn. You see, Mary had to offer a, a sacrifice for purification from childbirth because it was a reminder that all people are born in sin and in need of redemption. All people are born in sin and in need of redemption, and for that reason, the law required a purification sacrifice, and Mary, who acknowledged in Luke chapter 1 and verse 47 that she was in need of a Savior, Mary was a sinner needing to offer a sacrifice. It is in this setting that we're introduced to two witnesses to the significance of the child Jesus. The first is Simeon, in chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. The second is Anna in chapter 2, verses 36 to 48. Follow as I read verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And in that praise, we begin to see and understand the significance of this baby. The far-reaching consequences of this baby, both in his life and in the lives of the people of the world, both Jews and Gentiles. Simeon says in verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. You see, God had made a promise to him that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. Can you imagine what that was like? Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine that every time parents brought their children, their sons into the temple to be dedicated that he would be like, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? I don't know about you, but that's, that would be me. Is this the one? Is this the one? Come on, Lord, it's been a year. Come on, Lord, it's been a day. 
Come on, Lord, it's been five years, it's been ten years. Lord, when's this going to happen? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, he's saying, I can, I can now go to my grave in peace because I have seen and held the Messiah. For my eyes, verse 30, have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. There's some astounding stuff here, folks. What he is saying, what God the Holy Spirit is saying through him is that Jesus came not just for the Jewish nation. Jesus came not just as the Messiah of the Jewish nation. Jesus Christ came into this world as the Savior of all people. Let's bring it down close to home of you and me. He came as the Savior of all people. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Remember uh, when the shepherds came to uh, the cave where Joseph, uh, Joseph and Mary were when Jesus was born, and they, this, the shepherds came and they worshipped, and it says in the scripture that Mary treasured in her heart all the things. Can you think about all the things that were happening at that time? About two years later, or up to two years later, the wise men would come and bring their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, one of which is a death anointing oil. Can you imagine what she treasured up? The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul also. In other words, Jesus Christ will be the dividing point of every person. Jesus Christ will be the dividing point of every person. Some will receive him, some will receive the salvation which he offers. Some will reject him. They will be the ones falling because they have rejected him and rejected the only provision that God gives to take care of our sin problem and our death problem. He would cause the rising and falling. How people responded, how you and I respond to this one Jesus Christ will either cause us to rise or cause us to fall. He's the dividing point of this world. He's the dividing point of every life. And then there's a personal note for Mary. A sword will pierce your own soul too. When did that happen? Anybody know? Remember, when all of the disciples abandoned Jesus on the day of his crucifixion, Mary didn't. She was there along with some of the other women. They were there at the foot of the cross. And I don't know if it shamed John or if John was just that kind of great person, but John was the only one of the disciples who didn't abandon Jesus. And can you imagine standing at the foot of the cross and your son is on that cross? 
Can you imagine? What must it have been like, not only for Mary, but for God the Father? I can see how her heart would be pierced and her very being would be pierced. Her soul would be pierced. Well, God had promised Simeon that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And he waited many years for the fulfillment of that promise. One writer astutely said, waiting for God to fulfill his promises or answer our prayers can be a real test of our endurance and faith, right? We don't want to wait even a minute. God, I already asked you. Haven't you answered yet? It's been a minute since I prayed. We are tempted to stop praying, the writer said, or to settle for something less than God's plan for us. Simeon did not. Day after day after day, he looked for that child, the Messiah. The writer says his life complete, Simeon was ready to go to the Lord. It wasn't a morbid death wish, But God had fulfilled his promise to Simeon. And Simeon knew that he was going into God's presence. Men without faith, the writer said, crave to live on for this world is their only home. The man of faith, however, has great peace in the thought of returning to his home in God as soon as his task here is completed. Simeon reminds us that our own time on earth is limited and that we too must soon let go. We're only here for a time. We're only here for a time to accomplish what God has laid out for us to do. We don't have time to waste. Simeon reminds us that our own time on earth is limited. And that we too must soon go and release our own vision's fulfillment to others. Verse 38, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. This is the day. Look at the Messiah. Anna was, visit, was widowed at a very young age and spent her life in worship and service to God. She didn't spend her life regretting what may, might have been or questioning God. That's what we do. We think about what might have been or we think about, we ask God, why? God, why did you take my husband at such a young age? 
but she never expressed regret. She never regretted or questioned God. She was forward-looking and made every day and every night also, the writer said, a fresh occasion for proving how God gives strength just as it's needed. Anna discovered that God can make every passage of life meaningful and useful. The long years of widowhood were also effective years of worship and service. So the birth of Jesus is significant in four ways we learn in this passage. Number one, verse 30 tells us that salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Not in a religious system, not in a philosophy, not in righteous good works, but Simeon said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Not I've heard the philosophy, but I have seen the baby Salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The second significance of Jesus Christ is this. Verse 31 and 32 tells us that he came to bring salvation to the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike. He came for all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The third thing, the third significance of Jesus' coming is salvation is necessary because we are all sinners and in need of redemption. We're in need of a Savior. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ personally, individually, if you've never done that, don't let another minute go by but trust the provision God made for you. And you can do it right there at your seat. You don't need a special ceremony. You don't need to walk an aisle. You don't need to do any of those things. You just need to, in your heart, say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place on Calvary's tree. And I trust him as my Savior. And you will go from death to life. Salvation is necessary because we're all sinners. Number four, the fourth significance of Jesus' birth is this. Jesus is the dividing point, not only of history, but of people's hearts as well. He is the one, Simeon said, who would test men's thoughts and purposes. They will be compelled, one writer said, to take a stand for Christ or against him. And that divides our world today, those who are for Jesus Christ and those who are against him. One of my favorite older writers by the name of Vance Havner said this, and I'll close with this. In all the confusion and commercial, commercialization of Christmas these days, we are more than likely to lose Christ. Let us never forget that God sent not merely a prophet, a philosopher, a leader to meet the world's need. He gave his only begotten son. Like the man in the parable in Luke 20 and verse 13, he said, I will send my beloved son. And Romans 8.32, he spared not his own son. 
Dance Havner concludes, remember at Christmas that the gospel is not that Jesus came or that he lived or that he taught. He could have done all that, but if he had returned to the Father some other way than by Calvary and the open tomb, we would still be in our sins. Thank God he was born, but he was born to die and live again that we might live forever. Let's pray. Lord, what a Savior, and what a great time we celebrate as we think of his birth. But Father, help us to not get fixated on the manger scene. Help us not to get fixated on the baby Jesus. Help us to realize the reason for his coming, the Messiah of the Jews, the Savior of us all. We give you great praise and gratitude, especially at this time of year. And Lord, if there's even one here this morning who needs to trust Christ, please may your spirit draw them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.